Ninja. Hi everyone and welcome to Geography Ninja. So what I thought we would look at this time is licorice, uh, the geography of licorice and what is it exactly. Now um, actually when I recorded the trailer for this podcast a few months ago I, I put this one in just because I actually really like licorice and I thought well, it might make quite a good um, podcast episode, um, the sort of weird things you could look at through geography and I thought maybe at the moment you know we all need a little bit of uh, a, a more light-hearted approach to what we could look at for for geography so here we go we're going to do what is the geography of licorice so um first of all a fact for you now i've got this from um a website and this is i'm really into dutch salt licorice and there's there's a massive variety and there's a sweet shop i go to once every few months i stock up on this stuff and the varieties are, are just ridiculous there's so many different types but um, the Netherlands is one of the big centres of licorice consumption. In fact, um, I found out four pounds per person per year in the Netherlands. In fact, it um, is supposed to account for more than 20% of all uh, candy or confectionery sold in the Netherlands. And they call it drop in the Netherlands, but that's just the Dutch word for licorice so um mm, there we go now also licorice is one of those words that um has got different spellings depending on where you are in the world so speaking to you from the uk we spell it with an uh beginning l i q u o r i c e um i think if you're in the usa uh, you spell it differently you spell it with an l i c o r uh, I C E. So um, different spelling, same thing. Obviously, it's just one of those those weird geographical cultural um, differences. But what is licorice? Um, now, as a as a kid, I do remember sometimes chewing on a bit of just root licorice root that you used to be able to buy from from different shops. Um, licorice is actually does actually come from a root. Um, it's a herb. It's a perennial herb uh, from the pea family. This is according to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, it's it's also it has been used using folk medicine made from its its roots. Um, the, the 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 current scientific name for licorice, which is Glycyrrhiza glabra, uh, apparently comes from origin originates from the the, the Greek, uh, which is the Glycyrrhiza. Uh, where licorice actually comes from that word and it means sweet root so the plant itself grows it's about um it's about a meter or so tall i, I suppose um the roots can be really long the roots are often about a meter long um as well and they're quite uh they're quite soft and um they they get sort of ground down and boiled up and made into this black um substance that we put into the the sweets the confectionery that we all like the thing is where licorice is grown is not necessarily the same as where most licorice is eaten so it's thought that licorice originated in southern europe um italy is still quite a big grower of licorice um but it seems to be northern european countries that are the biggest consumers of licorice 
So the Netherlands is key as far as I'm concerned. That's where most of my licorice comes from. But we've got other countries too. Finland, Iceland, all the Scandinavian countries really into the licorice. Germany as well. And the UK as well has had its own licorice industry. So more on that in a few minutes. Ooh, that's quite interesting. Now, mm, and so according to um, the spruceeats.com website, um, the, the amount is, is actually slightly mind-boggling. Um, in 2008, this was, um, in the Netherlands, their, their total confectionery production valued at 1.3 billion euros. Um, and that it was the Netherlands was actually responsible for for approximately one third of EU production of of licorice, um, and at that point valued at somewhere in the region of ninety million euros. So we're talking about a lot, and um, yeah. So I, I I just love the look of this stuff. I've I've had um, Dutch salt licorice that looks like. Um, coins. I've had it that look like little little sort of Dutch houses. Some sometimes you can get them that look like um, cows, or uh, I don't know milkmaids. You have got the mannequin piss from Brussels, the little statue, uh, fountain statue, uh, that sort of thing. So it's incredible variety. But <clears throat> as I say, it's not just from uh, the Netherlands. Going back in history, um, apparently you've got people. Uh, as, such as Alexander the Great and Napoleon, who are big fan, fans of uh, the licorice root. So, um, what's what's the sort of ecology then of of licorice? Um, so we said, you know, Italy seems to be a big producer of licorice. Um, it usually grows in quite warm conditions, places with with a lot of sun, um, well drained soils deep valleys with a lot of sun, harvested in the autumn, uh, you need to, to let it grow for two to three years before you can harvest it. Um, so the big producers at the moment uh, range from Italy, as we say, but also Afghanistan, uh, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, Iraq, they all produce uh, licorice, as do Iran and India, China, produce it, um, Turkey and so on. So... Um, you know, fairly, fairly warm places, lots of sun. And then Northern Europe is the big consumption area for um, for licorice. So now the other thing with, with the Dutch salt, salt licorice, I will move on from this in a, in a second. One of the things that they do in the Netherlands is they it's, it is actually a really salty taste. So when people try it for the first time, it, it is a bit of a, a shock to the senses shall we say. Um, now, my understanding is the thing that gives it this salty flavour is uh, mixing it with ammonium chloride. I'm not quite sure what the, the sort of health benefits or uh, <laughs> implications are of that if you eat too much of it. Um, but some of it is incredibly salty. Um, so you, you can have like a double salt one. I think you can, I've seen triple salt before. I think I've tried one once and it was it was a little bit over the top. Even for me, you know, and I'm 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 quite into um, salty licorice. Yes, yes, I see, I see. Okay, then. Well, you know, now no um, discussion of the the geography of licorice. 
would be complete without talking about Pontefract cakes. Now this quite possibly was my first ever introduction as a, as a child to the, the wheel, weird world of uh, licorice. And um, I suppose it was, uh, you know, Pontefract cakes, they're, they're sort of um, coin shaped, they're a bit like a sort of thick black coin sized piece of sweet licorice um about sort of i don't know um co uh, three quarters of an inch wide something like that um now originally they're called pontefract cakes pontefract is in uh, yorkshire in the north of england and um back in the i, I suppose 19th century early 20th century pontefract cakes were were made uh, at quite you know quite large quantity in um in yorkshire so um you had all these big companies uh, making things this is where you know if you live in the uk licorice all sorts who created lic licorice all sorts well it was um the the confectionery company uh, bassett's uh, from sheffield george bassett and company um so Pontefract cakes were the sort of original. It branched out into some other things like licorice all sorts, um, and you had uh, the also the Yorkshire company called um, Dunhills, which were the original maker of Pontefract cakes. So um, you know, back at its at its peak, you would have had loads of factories up in Yorkshire producing um, these these sweets. And um, well, actually, you know, globalization has really has really taken things over. So, in the last twenty years or so, both um, Bassett's uh, and um, Dunhills have been incorporated in, into bigger sort of conglomerates. So, um, Bassett's was taken taken over by Cadbury, a U.S. owned company, whereas Dunhill was taken over by Haribo, uh, German confectionery company back in 1994 however uh, the sign of a true Pontefract cake was to have a little um, stamp of Pontefract castle on the front and I'm, as far as I'm aware that's, that still happens to all Pontefract cakes still made so you've got all of this heritage in the north of England of making licorice now there is a big difference between Pontefract cakes and what they have in places like the Netherlands and Scandinavian countries. Pontefract cakes are not salty licorice. This is actually sweet licorice. Um, so very, very different. It's a fact. Now, it's a really interesting article. If, you, if you're if you into your licorice and you like geography, it's a really interesting article on the BBC website. Um, and this is on their, I don't know, it's food and drink section. Something. It's actually it's titled The Strange Story of Britain's Oldest sweet and you've got all of the history here of um well first of all you've got the the oldest sweet shop in england which apparently is in yorkshire um and then it sort of all interlinks with the history of the pontefract cake and um the fact that this is um <laughs> this is really this is seen as a really big part of the, the history of this part part of yorkshire and um You've got a, a a local museum curator, curator of the the Wakefield Museums and Castles, Dave Evans, who actually um, in part of the 
the interview that the BBC has with him, he says, um, you know, while most of our licorice factories have now closed, you can build a whole day out of licorice tourism in the area. Now, to me, that just sounds absolutely fabulous. Uh, might have to take him up on that um, at some point in the future. But um, the story finishes off um, with uh, a, a modern, uh, you know, updating the sort of licorice heritage of Northern England um, because licorice is actually being grown. Um, you've got uh, a, a farm just outside Pontefract, um, Robert and Heather Cop uh, Copley, um, local farmers who have started now to grow licorice. They've got more than 100 plants um, which have started to produce licorice. Uh, and this is this is really I just think it's fantastic. Um, they what they say is uh, their ultimate goal is to work towards obtaining uh, a product of designated origin or a PDO. So this is really giving uh, licorice for uh, West Yorkshire the same sort of recognition as something like Wensleydale cheese would have or Scotch whiskey. You know the idea that the that food product is associated with a particular area, particular part of the country. So good luck to the Copleys in, in doing that. And it's, I think it's great that this, the, 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 the sort of licorice heritage of Northern England is, you know, it's there, it's, it's still, there's still something going on, there's still something going on there. So anyway, I hope that this, this is a, you know, another way of looking at looking, using geography to, to look at something. Um, licorice, hopefully you, you love it. Um, if you've never tried Dutch salt licorice before now, give it a go. But, you know, don't neglect the, the good old Pontefract cake. And I, I think, you know, within looking at the geography of licorice, we have got this, um, you know, connection between where a product is grown, where it's consumed. Um, you've got the globalising influence of companies being taken over, changes over time, the ecology, you know, what are the the, the climate conditions needed to, to grow a, a certain thing. So if I've influenced you in any way to go out and buy some licorice, I've done my job correctly. So anyway, we shall finish off there. Good to talk to you as ever. Stay safe out there and uh, I will speak to you again very soon. Okay, bye bye.